what does it take uh, to wake you up in the morning? Uh, for me, most days it's pretty clear. About 4.30ish, um, I feel a plop sort of next to me on the bed. And then um, a wet nose either on my neck or a tongue licking my hand. Uh, it's uh, April, our dog, who's two years old. and. Uh, so this is 4.30ish, and I can pet her and then sort of gently push her head down. And it's as good as pressing the snooze button on an alarm clock. It's, it's good for another 30 minutes, uh, but that's all. Five o'clock, she's ready to go, and off to the park we go, followed by breakfast for her. Um, that's right. We see John, and she gets to say good morning to you. Absolutely. Um, this morning, I woke up over in New Jersey at a, a retreat house, and uh, because it was so warm yesterday, the windows were able to be open last night, so I, I woke up to birds like I've never heard. Um, they, were, they were loud, uh, but pretty wonderful. Um, one of my favorite cartoon uh, characters are Wallace and Gromit, the, the British animated characters. Uh, Wallace is, is the, the human, and Gromit is the dog. And um, in a couple of their little short films, they have a fantastic way of waking up. Um, if I get it right, there's, there's an alarm clock that goes off. Um, that somehow triggers um, a, a tea kettle, which makes steam, which triggers a great big arm with a, with a finger on it, which goes up under the bed and pokes the bed and wakes them up. And then the bed is spring-loaded, and so it makes them fly up, and they hit a chute, and the chute goes through the house into the kitchen where they're plopped at the kitchen table, and coffee comes exactly the way they like it. And then somewhere along in there, too, there's the smell of cheese, uh, usually a good Stilton or a particular cheese, Stinky Bishop. Um, which I'm always trying to buy at uh, Murray's Cheese, and they, they, they run out of Stinking Bishop very quickly. Um, Stinking Bishop is named after a pear, of all things, which flavors the rind of the cheese. I looked it up, and it's a Stinking Bishop um, pear, of all things. Anyway, um, the scriptures today have stories of people waking up, uh, in some ways, that's the story of Easter. It's, um, it's an invitation to wake up to new life. Um, obviously, Jesus is the first one to wake up. Um, but there's a lot of waking up. Um, Mary Magdalene wakes up early that Easter morning and goes to the tomb and is shocked, surprised, thrilled beyond words. Um, she tells the other disciples, and a few of them wake up, not everybody at once. It takes a few of them another appearance by Jesus for them to be, to be fully awake to this new reality that he's living. And then last week we talked about how Thomas, the, the slow one, the doubter, Thomas needed a little more proof, and so it took even more. In today's uh, first reading, we hear from... Um, Peter. And Peter seems to be fully awake by this, this time in the Apostle. He's preaching with the, the spirit of John the Baptist. He's preaching a gospel of repentance. And uh, it sounds pretty harsh, but it sounds effective. In his case, 3,000 people were baptized. Um, and then there's this wonderful gospel 
of the two disciples. It seems like they're not two of the original twelve or now eleven, now that Judas is gone, but they're, they're that other tier. And so we, we see early on that uh, people who followed Jesus were thought of as disciples, just like us. And so these two had been in Jerusalem, um, probably been overwhelmed by the events of the, the mock trial and the crucifixion. And then it sounds like they've heard the rumors that it's not over yet. And so they're walking on the road and, and this stranger comes up and we know the answer, but they don't yet. It takes them uh, a little while. They, they show the stranger hospitality. They, they have a meal together. And in, in the midst of the meal, um, then the truth is known and Jesus is revealed. And, and they wake up fully. Um, if you think about them being disciples, being people who at any level had put their faith and their hope in Jesus... Um, Probably a lot felt like it had been put to death along with Jesus on the cross. You think about all the hopes these people must have had uh, for Jesus as the Savior. Remember that that hopeful scene of Palm Sunday where everybody's excited. Um, All that's gone. We remember several of the disciples who get into a squabble about who's the greater among the twelve. And they're, they're jockeying for position in what they anticipate will be this new kingdom with Jesus being the king. And maybe they can be the number two and the number three. Well, any hopes of that sort of thing are gone. Um, who knows where these disciples were in the, in the spectrum of expectations. We know that, that Judas was a part of the zealots. And Judas had, had hoped for um, a literal overthrow of the Roman occupation and the, the government. And so perhaps these had, had hoped that Jesus was maybe the political answer to their problems. And so those hopes are dead and gone now. And so it's in the midst of this, uh, this disappointment, um, this confusion, this place of, of not knowing what the next day might bring, um, that Jesus appears and, and wakes them up, um, wakes them up to um, new possibilities, uh, possibilities for love, as they recall that, that Jesus who taught about love, who embodied love, is now again alive. And so his spirit will be with them forever and ever, loving and teaching to love. Um, there must have been a, an awakening of, of purpose as they're maybe not even sure what the next day will bring. But somehow, some way, with the, the presence of Christ, they'll have what they need. Uh, and maybe we see even some of the, the, the early models for what the Christian community would become as, as they celebrate a simple meal together. And in that meal, in the breaking of bread, they encounter the risen Christ. Uh, we can see some roots to our celebration of Holy Communion in that simple meal. And yet, uh, what a complicated and extravagant meal that when bread is broken and a cup shared, um, the risen Christ is in their midst, is in our midst. Not always easy waking up, is it? Um, It probably wasn't easy for these two to wake up. Um, Especially it's not easy to wake up when everybody else is still sleeping. (laughs) 
I mentioned being at this retreat house and one of the guys who was on the retreat said he couldn't sleep and he said there's never such a noisy place as a great big retreat house with everyone else snoring when he can't get to sleep at two in the morning. (laughs) Some of us feel like that with our our public life. We feel like a lot of people are dozing. A lot of people are sleepwalking. Some of our leaders seem to be functioning in an alternate universe, a, a place of dreams and fantasies. And, um, and without being prideful, we, we feel like we're awake. And yet, what's with other people not being awake like we are? Um, it's confusing. Who knows? And so I think we continue that journey. We continue that walk, uh, telling stories of how we've encountered God, how we experience God. We, we welcome the stranger like those two did, um, remembering what Hebrews says, that sometimes in entertaining a stranger, it turns out one entertains an angel unaware. Uh, and this, to this point, it was Christ himself. We never know. And then to share the meal, to share the hospitality, to share a bit of ourselves in in, a stylized way like the liturgy, like the Eucharist, and in simple ways like our coffee hour leftovers after church and our our meals that we might have together or in other places. Um, As we continue to mull over what it means to be Easter people, to live in the in the wake of the resurrection, in the joy and the energy and the love and the power of the resurrection, uh, may the Holy Spirit wake us up in just the way we need to be awakened. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.